Welcome to Revolution. I'm Ryan. I'm one of the uh, members of the leadership team here. And uh, glad you could be here tonight. Josh Josh couldn't be here, so I'm going to fill in with some announcements. I'm not near as exciting or outgoing as him, so just bear with me until Dave gets up here and gives us a bunch of mic weird fuzz in the mic, and you can't really hear what he's saying. So, um, I, I still, when he shaves it, we're making him do the Backstreet Boy mic. That's happening. Is it, we in agreement on that? Like, that has to happen as soon as it comes off. We get to the back streets back. All right. It happened right now. That's right. You can shake your head now. It don't matter. Um, anyway, serious matters. Uh, what we got going on at Rev this week, uh, Sean and Jen are unfortunately, but fortunately, uh, going back to Africa. So we always hate to see them go. Um, but obviously they have a, a plan and a mission. Um, while I don't like to see them go, they prefer to obey God over what I like. So... Um, that's probably wise for them. So they're heading back. They need some help packing up. So Thursday at roughly 2.30 at the Candlewood Apartments in Willersburg, they'll be packing stuff up. So if you are breathing um, and can lift things, even light things, um, help them out. It would be great, great help to them. So that's one less thing they have to worry, worry about when they travel back to Africa. Um, on another note, core group meeting. If you missed the first one, um, after service tonight, we're just going to meet out here for five or 10 minutes. Make sure you don't have any questions about the sheet. If you have already been to that one, you don't need to stay for this one. We're just catching up the people who were missed the first one. So if that's you, you didn't make the first one and you want to be in the core group, just stay after, see me and we will take care of that. Speaking of the sheets, if you Decided that you were going to be in the core group, you signed the covenant, but you didn't turn in a sheet. We need the assessment sheet. So we need to know what you're good at, what you think you're good at, what you don't like to do, but you are good at, all that fun stuff. So we can uh, make sure we can get out in the community and be the hands and feet. So other than that, I don't think we have a whole lot else. So let's pray, and then we'll do our 30-second thing. And the 30 seconds, this was a nice weekend. I had a good, a good weekend, good weekend with friends. When we take our 30 seconds, let's discuss, in 30 seconds, when you meet a new person, what you look forward to doing the most once the snow and the weather turns and it's nice and warm again. So let's pray, and then we'll do the 30-second deal. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to come tonight to worship and, and to hear your word. We pray as Dave speaks that uh, your spirit would just move inside of us, that, that would open our ears, open our hearts to hear uh, the word of truth tonight, that, that your scripture is true, that we can trust uh, what you've said because there's not only um, spiritual implications, but there's rational reasoning that we can believe uh, that the Bible is true and we can believe that uh, you are who you said you are. Uh, we pray, as Dave speaks, that that would just really affirm those beliefs or, or enlighten us. Um, and most importantly, we can turn that into worship to you, that, that we can respond in a way that we can give you thanks and the glory you deserve. your name we pray. Amen. All right, stand up, meet somebody new, tell them what you'd like to do when the weather turns. Go ahead. DJ, what
was born less than human. So what's up, Revolution? Woo! Woo! Cool. Fear the beard. Absolutely. All right. So, um, so I like to read. All right. Whenever I say I like to read, um, I like to read really like sophisticated stuff, right? Like really challenging, makes me question who I am and what I think. Um, I'm referring to the Harry Potter series, of course. Um, yeah. I mean, like, honestly, let's think about it. Why would I waste my time with Aristotle and Plato and Freud and all that whenever I have J.K. Rowling, right? Can I get an amen? I mean, she's less of an author and more of a prophet whenever we're really honest with ourselves. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm kidding. I read, I read all kinds of stuff. Um, probably not as much as I should, but... Um, sorry. I, uh, <laughs> I like to read blogs. I like to read magazines. I like to read books, um, mainly on history and theology. That's my big thing, because I'm, like Matt always said, a rockin' fun party kind of guy. Um, but, you know, the older I get, the uh, more I'm starting to appreciate books in general, right? Like, you can learn anything you want from books. Um, if you want to learn how the human body works, you can crack open a book on biology. If you want to check out, like, the world around you and how all that stuff works, you can check out a physics book or chemistry book or natural science book. Um, if you want to learn mathematics, and I don't know why you would want to, there are books for that. Um, I will pay people to do math for me instead of that. It's just a miserable, miserable, miserable subject. Um, but like I said, we can learn all kinds of things. You know, um, to take it a little bit further, we can check out philosophy books, all right? And we, can, and we can see what some of the smartest people of all time have had to say about human beings and about morality and about how we treat one another and what the best ways are to live. But I'm willing to say this. Um, I'm not willing to base my life off of anything that a man wrote, right? That anyone that any other, anything that any other person wrote. Um, because I understand how crappy human beings are, right? I am one. I suck. I mess up. I make awful mistakes. I think everyone here can agree on that. Everyone can vibe on that. Um, so I'm not willing to trust any human being's book or any human being's opinion to direct my life. So I guess one of the questions we're going to ask ourselves then is, is there a definitive authoritative source for us to go to, right? Like, is there anything that, any definitive source that we can go to to tell us how to live our lives, tell us what morality is, why human beings act a certain way, all that stuff. Is there a book we can base and stake our entire life on? You're in church, so spoiler alert, it's the Bible, right? If you didn't see that coming, I thought I was throwing some softballs to you guys, but apparently not. Um, But yeah, it's the Bible, okay? And that's what we're talking about this week. All right, so let's talk about the Bible for a second. All right, the Bible is the foundation of Christianity, right? The Bible is the book that we go to to see who Jesus is, that we are born sinners, and that Jesus comes to earth to live a life that we couldn't in perfect obedience to God. And ultimately, Jesus takes our punishment in our place on the cross where God pours out his wrath on him, right? The very core of our faith is found in the Bible. Everything we believe and why we believe everything is in the Bible. It's the foundation of our faith. Um, and ultimately, the Bible is really a book about God. All right? It's about who he is, what his characteristics are, what his attributes are, all right? and what he's done, and what he's doing, and what he will do in the future. All right? and, and we were talking earlier in the car. It's a, the Bible's a book about God. Have you ever considered how arrogant it is to get your name engraved on the front of it? No? No one else thought that was funny but me and Rolf? Okay, whatever, I'm a loser. Um, so like I said, it's, it's the foundation. It teaches us who God is. Um, and if, so since we're talking about the Bible, let's go ahead and lay our cards on the table here. All right, here at Revolution, we, we believe this doctrine called sola scriptura. And don't get scared off by the word, okay? It's just two Latin words. It means only scripture. 
All right? And all that this doctrine says is that um, there is no greater authority than the Bible. There is no higher authority. Um, that the Bible is the inerrant, inspi- inspired word of God. And that it's always right and it's never wrong. So if man disagrees with the Bible, then man is wrong and the Bible is right. Because it comes from God and God is always right. All right, so that's the stance that we take on the Bible. That it's inerrant, that it's never ever wrong on anything that it affirms. And that it's inspired and it's from God. All right, and we believe that because the Bible actually claims its own truthfulness. All right, we, we don't believe that blindly. We believe because the Bible says that. All right, in 2 Timothy 3.16, we read, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. All right, I think a better translation is in the ESV. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God. All right, so if it's breathed out by God, it comes from God's mouth. We see elsewhere in scripture that the Bible is called the Word of God. The scripture is God-breathed, then it would be the Word of God. Um, but there's some wild stuff in the Bible, right? Like, let's be honest with ourselves. Like, I used to be an atheist. I'm sure we have some skeptics out here. There's some pretty wild stuff in the Bible. Um, You know, you can go to the book of Numbers, and you can see a talking donkey in the book of Numbers, which I used to have a hard time believing. And then after working with the public for six years, I talked to talking donkeys every single day. Um, But, you know, there's some, like, really hard stuff to believe in the Bible. All right? That's That's just one of a few. All right? So we have that. And then, like, in the book of Exodus, we see God parts the Red Sea. And we see that God speaks to Moses through a burning bush. And we see that God rains down ten plagues on Egypt. All right? That's just in Exodus. All right? And like I said, the donkey in Numbers. And then we go on to the story of Jonah and the big fish. I'm sure if anyone here grew up in Sunday school, you've heard Jonah and the whale. That God had a whale or a big fish or whatever swallow this guy named Jonah. And Jonah lived in his belly for three days and didn't die. All right? That's pretty hard to believe. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to level with you on that. But I think the most heinous thing that the Bible teaches is that God himself became a man and then allowed himself to be murdered by the people he created. So the Bible teaches some hard stuff. Um, of course, I'm talking about Jesus whenever I said that. But the Bible teaches some stuff that's just hard to believe. And on top of this, the hard events to believe, there's some challenging things in the Bible. Right? There's some things the Bible teaches us about who we are and how we're supposed to live that we don't like. Like that everyone's born a sinner. So my four-month-old niece right there is a sinner. And she stands before God condemned for her sin. I mean, she's an adorable sinner. I mean, look at her. But she's a sinner, right? And that's hard to swallow. That, that To us, she hasn't really done anything, but she was born in rebellion to God. She's openly hostile to God because she's not come to faith in Jesus yet. That's a hard pill to swallow. The Bible teaches really hard stuff. I mean, it teaches that we're supposed to love our enemies, that we're supposed to help people who won't and don't help themselves. You know, we're supposed to do the polar opposite of what our culture tells us, right? And it just rubs us the wrong way, and it goes against the grain of how we think, and it's because we're sinners that we disagree with the Bible. But like I said, the Bible teaches all kinds of things that are just hard to accept. You know, so the question we're asking tonight is, is the Bible trustworthy? How can we know that the Bible is actually trustworthy? All right? So if Scripture is the Word of God, I, I get that, but how trustworthy is God? Right, really, let's ask ourselves that question. How trustworthy is God? Well, we can go to the dictionary definition of God, Merriam-Webster's definition, is the being in perfect power, wisdom, and goodness. All right? So let's focus on the word goodness. So if God is the being in perfect goodness, that would mean that he's completely moral all the time. Right? He's never immoral. All right? So our logic in thinking that God would never lie because if he's a being of complete goodness... That would be against his character. That actually lines up with what scripture teaches us in Numbers. 
Um, Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not, not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? All right, so our logical thing using our definition of God actually matches up with what the Bible has to say. And the Bible talks about God's trustworthiness and truthfulness and the fact that he never lies all over the place. All right, so if God never lies, then I think it stands to reason that his word is pure, perfect, and true. All right, we can go to Psalm 12, 6, and we see, we see where it says God's word is more pure than silver refined seven times. There's no impurities in it, all right, because God is trustworthy. His word is pure. It's no deception. Psalm 119, verse 96 tells us that God's word is perfect. It says that all perfection has its limits, but God's has absolutely none. The word of God's perfection has no bounds. Proverbs 30, verse 5 tells us that every word of God proves true. Right? So if God is completely trustworthy and he's a being who cannot lie, I think it stands to reason that his word is pure, perfect, and true, and we should trust it, even whenever it's hard for us to understand, or even whenever there's an event in it that doesn't seem to make sense, or even whenever it challenges the very core of what we think about everything. That if God never lies, it stands to reason that we should trust the Bible. Now, we're going to pump the brakes here for a second, because I, I used to be a skeptic, and I'm sure that there are some people out there saying, but David, you've really not proven anything yet. Right? You're saying that the Bible is true because the Bible says it's true because the Bible is true because the Bible says it's true. It's called circular reasoning. Right? And, and I'll, I'll level with you. I have been using circular reasoning this evening. Right? Um, and I think for, for many Christians, a lot of Christians don't have a problem with that. But I'm here to talk to skeptics as well this evening. All right? So is there a logical argument for um, believing that the Bible is trustworthy? Right? Can we get around using circular reasoning? Because a lot of non-believers will point us in the face and say, well, you only believe that the Bible is true because the Bible says it's true and you're stupid. Right? And I used to say that all the time to people. Like, oh, you believe the Bible is true because the Bible says it's true. What a coincidence. Right? Um, but I, I, would, I would say that there is a logical argument to be made. And we're going to make it. Right? We're going to do some apologetics work. We're going to defend the faith here for the next few minutes. All right? Um, and the, the first step of, of this argument says that historical apologetics reasonably prove the resurrection of Jesus. All right? And I don't know if uh, many of you were here a few weeks ago. I preached on the historical reality of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I don't have time to go into all the details that I went into then. And even then, I didn't have time to go into all the details I wanted to. Um, so if this highlight reel that I'm getting ready to give you on historical apologetics isn't good enough, then please come talk to me after the sermon. I would absolutely love to talk to you guys. Um, or there's a blog on the Revolution page if you guys want to read that instead of talking to me if you're really socially awkward like Hickerson. Um, <laughs> get my punch in. Um, so like I said, uh, historical apologetics reasonably prove the resurrection of Jesus. All right. Now, the first thing we have to ask is, was Jesus a real person? Well, yes, we have multiple first century historians that say Jesus was a real guy. So that question is answered. Jesus was a real person, all right? So now we go to the Gospels, all right? Are the Gospels reliable enough, though, historically, for us to actually read them and take what they have to say seriously? I would say yes. Whenever we use actual criteria that historians use um, on any ancient document, we see that the, the Bible, that the four Gospels match up, all right? First one, the first criteria, I'll go ahead and give you the four. It's authorship, date, location, and the origin of material. All right, I talked about this all a couple of weeks ago. All right, the first one, uh, authorship. All right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. History tells us that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were real people. All right, so we got the authorship out of the way. We go to uh, date. We can see that the 
Gospels were written between 60 and 100 AD, which would have been in the lifetimes of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All right. So now we go to location. Where were the earliest transcripts of the Bible found? Well, they were found in the ancient Near East. All right. So we have, and that, that makes sense for them because that's where they were doing their ministry. That's where they were living. That's where the, they were distributing the Gospels. All right. And lastly, the origin of material. All right. Where did they get the idea to write this stuff? Well, they claim to be eyewitnesses. And we have multiple historic, historical records that say Matthew, Mark, or Matthew and uh, Mark, at least, or Matthew and John, I'm sorry, were disciples of Jesus that followed Jesus around. All right? And Mark wrote down what Peter told him to write, and I forget who Luke wrote from. But it was, um, it was firsthand witnesses, all right? So it was eyewitnesses and secondhand witnesses. So based off those four criteria, we can look at the Gospels and see that they are in fact, historically reliable. All right, whenever we take that and we couple it with the fact that the original disciples and the apostles gained nothing for what they preached, okay? They gained no power, they gained no money, and they gained no fame for preaching that Jesus was raised from the dead and, and he died on behalf of our sin, all right? They gained nothing. Um, but they, what they actually gained was poverty, um, hate from their families and communities, and death eventually, all right. So whenever we see that they had nothing to gain for what they preached, they claim to be eyewitnesses, and all the Gospels historically line up to be reliable. I think that we make a pretty good case that Jesus is, in fact, God, and that Jesus did, in fact, come back from the dead. All right, so there's your highlight reel on historical apologetics. All right, so historical apologetics reasonably prove the resurrection of Jesus. All right, and if the resurrection, if the gospel authors were accurate in what they said about the resurrection of Jesus, then I think it stands to reason that they're going to be accurate in what they said Jesus taught. All right, if they're right on this big thing, I think I can trust them to accurately report what he taught. And one of the things Jesus taught, among many things, was that he is God. He claimed his own divinity. Okay, in the book of John, we see seven I am statements that Jesus makes. All right, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the true vine. I am the bread of life. All right, I am the good shepherd. And what you need to know about saying I am in Jewish culture, you didn't say that um, because God refers to himself in Exodus as I am. So whenever Jesus says I am something, Jesus is saying I am God. All right, so Jesus teaches over and over and over and over again that he is God. Um, so if Jesus is God, right, and I think it stands to reason yet again, if Jesus comes back from the dead that he is God, and he claimed to be God. So if Jesus is God, then he can't lie because he is a being of perfect goodness, right? Like we talked about a few minutes ago. Okay, so what else did Jesus teach then? I remember we're trying to figure out, is the Bible trustworthy? Should we believe everything the Bible says, even whenever we don't like it, even whenever it's challenging, even whenever it seems impossible to believe? Remember, that's the question we're trying to answer. So what else did Jesus teach? Well, Jesus also taught that the entire Bible was the inspired, inerrant word of God, from God, given to us, right? And you kind of got to read into to Scripture um, to, to see where Jesus taught that. We can go to Luke 24, 25, and we see that Jesus gets upset with his, uh, his disciples because he says, you're slow to believe everything that the prophets said. All right, whenever Jesus says the prophets, he's referring to the Old Testament. So Jesus is getting upset with his disciples because he's saying, you're slow to believe what the Old Testament says. All right, and Jesus is constantly quoting and teaching from the Old Testament. All right, he says all the Old Testament points to him. And he, he teaches with the Old Testament as if it carries weight, right? As if it's authoritative, as if it's the definitive word of God, because it is. All right, so we have the Old Testament covered. Well, what about the New Testament? You know, we can go to uh, John fourteen twenty six, 
And, and we see where Jesus uh, tells his disciples that whenever they go to teach after Jesus goes back to heaven, after he ascends back to heaven, that he's going to send God the Holy Spirit. That Jesus is going to send God the Holy Spirit to earth to assist them in teaching, to remind them everything that Jesus taught and everything that Jesus said. All right, so whenever they go to write the Gospels, the Holy Spirit's going to be there to influence them and remind them of what Jesus said and of what Jesus taught. So in those two instances in, in Scripture, in the Gospels, we can see that Jesus covers the Old and New Testaments as the histor- or not the historical, the inerrant Word of God. All right, so if Jesus is God, he can't lie. And Jesus teaches that the entire Bible is trustworthy, that the entire Bible is the Word of God. Jesus is trustworthy because God cannot lie. All right? So, so in summary, what do we got? Historical apologetics reasonably prove the resurrection of Jesus. And if the Gospels are accurate about the resurrection, then it is reasonable to believe that their accounts of Jesus' teachings are accurate as well. Jesus claims divinity in his teachings in the Gospels. If Jesus is God, then by definition he is trustworthy. Jesus teaches that the entire Bible is authoritative and comes from God. And our conclusion is the whole Bible is trustworthy because God cannot lie. Jesus is God, and Jesus taught that the Bible is trustworthy. All right, so like I said, logically, we can make a really good case for our believing the Bible. Right, even when we don't like it. Right, whenever I read something that seems impossible, like Jonah and the big fish, I can, I can believe that it happened because Jesus says that it happened, and Jesus is God. But I think the real question we have to ask ourselves, you know, whenever we read that something that we don't like, especially challenging things, I can take the events more than I can take the challenging things. Like, um, like homosexuality is not tolerated um, by people of God. Not that we hate homosexuals, but that we don't condone that kind of activity, that we don't condone any marriage other than men and women. Um, whenever we see that, you know, um, the Bible teaches in a roundabout way, watching pornography is not okay. Right? Sexual impurity is not okay. Being drunk all the time is not okay. Going out and, and, and getting turned up or whatever you young kids say now. That, that stuff is not okay, right? Like whenever we read things like that that challenge us and tells us, hey man, like God has a specific way that he wants you to live. And whenever we have this tendency to buck up against that and say, well, I don't really think that I should have to follow that because I don't understand why I can't. The real question you have to ask yourself in that moment is, do you believe Jesus is God or not? That's the real question you have to ask yourself. Whether it's, I can't believe that a talking, or there was a talking donkey in numbers, or I can't believe that Jesus really doesn't want me to sleep with my girlfriend. You have to ask yourself the question, do you believe Jesus is God or not? All right? You know, society says that Jesus is the greatest moral teacher and philosopher to have ever lived. All right? Even atheists will say that. You know, Thomas Jefferson, actually, um, he wasn't a Christian, so don't believe that. All of our forefathers were Christians, bullcrap. That's just not true. Um, Thomas Jefferson actually took uh, the Gospels and he edited out everything that Jesus claimed to be, uh, like, for his divinity and edited out all the miracles that Jesus did and all, like, supernatural things out of the Gospels. And he left just Jesus' teachings, and it's called the Jeffersonian Bible, right? And there are, like, atheists that will read it and say, like, yeah, I do. Like, I used to read it when I was in college sometimes. and be like, you know, Jesus, I don't think he was God, but he was a really good teacher. He really knew his stuff about morality and how we should live. Like, I'll give the dude some credit. All right? So, like I said, even non-believers will agree that Jesus is arguably the greatest moral philosopher who ever lived. All right? And then if you look across cultures, we can see that Jesus and his examples of compassion, of selflessness, of mercy, of love, of forgiveness, 
of self-sacrifice and service has influenced almost every single culture in the world, right? Because he's such a great teacher and he's such, so revolutionary in what he taught. But like I said, the, the real question we have to ask ourselves, though, is do we believe Jesus is God? Because in addition to all of those great teachings that Jesus gave us, he also claimed to be God himself. We can't forget that. All right, so we, we take all this other stuff that's really easy for us to swallow and be like, yeah, we should love each other and all this stuff, but I really don't know if I believe it whenever Jesus says that all of Scripture should be obeyed and all of Scripture is the inspired, inerrant word of God. And I don't know if I can believe that. Well, the real question is, do you believe Jesus was a liar? Was he a crazy person? Or is he actually God like he said he was? You know, the old argument's called liar, lunatic, or Lord, Right? Let's talk about liar, okay? Let's say Jesus is this great moral teacher, but he lied about his divinity and therefore lied about what what he said about the Bible being always right. right? If Jesus is a liar, then we can't believe anything that he said, right? Because I don't don't trust liars. I don't know about you guys. If you lied to me once, I'm not going to listen to you again. Um, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to trust you again, right? So if Jesus lies in one point, then I don't think we should take anything that he had to say seriously, Right? I think that's fair. So if Jesus is a liar, we can't trust him, right? And if Jesus is a crazy person, if Jesus is a lunatic, then we shouldn't trust him because that would be irresponsible. And I'm not making light of the situation, but uh, like I'm not going to go to Shawnee Mental Health and ask patients for advice on how to live my life. That would be irresponsible. So if Jesus is crazy whenever he claimed to be God, then we shouldn't listen to any, anything that he had to say about morality because he's insane. Or we have the option that Jesus is God, and that's why Jesus claimed to be God. All right, so if we're going to come to the conclusion, all right, and I don't think Jesus was a liar, all right? I don't think he was a liar. And I definitely don't think he was a crazy person because he had way too many good ideas on morality, right? Because he's God. Um, I, don't, I don't take either of the first two, so I think that what we want to come down on is that Jesus is God. I think most people here agree that Jesus is God. So if we really believe that, then we can believe everything that he taught. Everything that he taught about morality, everything that he taught about God, everything that he taught about salvation, and everything that he taught about Scripture always being right and that it should be obeyed because it comes from God. So if we believe Jesus is God, then we believe Scripture. And if we believe Scripture, then we believe it whenever Scripture tells us that we are all born sinners. All right, And because of our sin, that is rebellion against God, we can also believe it whenever Scripture tells us that our sin and rebellion deserves death and hell. We can also believe Scripture whenever it tells us that God is a just God and He can't just let that go. All right, That someone has to pay Death and hell for our sin. It's either going to be us or something's going to do it in our place. And then we can also believe scripture whenever it tells us that God is a loving, merciful God. We read that all over the place in scripture. So we can believe it whenever it says that God was so merciful and so loving that he sent Jesus to earth to live a perfect life that we couldn't. Because the Bible also teaches, and we can believe if we believe Jesus is God, that God's standard is impossible to fulfill. God's standards are impossible for sinful human beings to fulfill. We can believe that. But we can also believe that Jesus lived a sinless life and then ultimately took our sins on himself and then went to the cross to die in our place for our sin where he suffered the wrath of God for everything that we've done. 
And then God raised him from the dead three days later. If we believe that Jesus is God, then we believe that entire beautiful gospel message. But there's also another side to it, right? Not necessarily the gospel, but the Bible doesn't end there. Okay? The gospel is the central point of our faith. It's the central point and the focal point of the whole Bible, but the Bible doesn't end there, right? So if we believe Jesus is God and we believe Jesus is our Savior and we believe that Jesus took our penalty for sin in our place on the cross, then we also have to believe the other things that Jesus taught. All right, so in addition to, to believing the gospel, we also have to take the Great Commission very seriously. You know, we're doing the evangelism series here. So we have to take all of what Jesus said very seriously. And what he says, the last thing he says before he ascends back to heaven is that we have to go and share the gospel. He says, go make disciples of the nations. All right, so let's think about it. Um, If we really believe Jesus is God, then we really need to take what he had to say seriously. All right, if Jesus is our savior, then he is also our Lord. And just like the Lord of a castle, whatever he says goes. If we really believe Jesus is God, then we believe he is the ruler and king of the universe. So whenever he says, go do something, we go do it. Right? So whenever Jesus says to go share the gospel, we go do it. But we don't do it out of fear because he's the king of the universe. We do it because we love him, right? Because we understand that he took our punishment in our place. That he loved us so much that he was willing to die for us. And one of the things Jesus says in the book of John, he says, if you love me, obey my commands. So if we truly believe scripture, whenever it teaches us that Jesus is God and that Jesus took our penalty in our place, then we can really believe scripture whenever it says, if we love Jesus, we'll obey his commands. So we do everything out of gratitude. We do everything out of gratitude because we understand and we believe scripture. If we truly believe scripture, we believe Jesus is God. And we believe that his commands are to be taken very seriously because he is not only our savior, but he is the Lord of our entire lives. So we must go share the gospel because we love Jesus. And if we love him, we'll obey him. Let's pray. Um, Father, thank you for, for logic and reasoning and the fact that we can be Christians, but we don't have to be stupid. Um, that we can have good arguments for for the reason why we believe the things that we believe. Um, That we have good reason to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That we have good reason to believe Jesus is your Son. Um, Father, you know, I I pray that we, we we take the Bible very seriously, even whenever it's hard for us, even whenever it says things that we don't like, even whenever it challenges us. Um, Father, and we we can take those challenging things, God, and and believe that they're true because we know that Jesus is God and and he teaches us that those things are true. God, please keep that in the forefront of our mind whenever we we see or hear things um, that just seem impossible um, that that scripture teaches us. But Father, above all things, thank you for the cross. Thank Thank you for sending Jesus to die in our place for our sin. And thank you for making him the Lord of our lives, God. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.